I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi. Laura and I are excited that Play Me will be returning this January with a whole new series of plays. But in the meantime, please enjoy this encore presentation, which is a show from our archives that was recently aired on CBC Radio 1. This presentation, just in time for your holiday binging, is a clean version with some of the course language edited or dipped out. If you wish to hear the original show without any of these edits, you can find the original show further in our podcast feed. Until the new year, you can always listen to Play Me on CBC Radio 1 Sunday nights at 9 and Wednesday nights at 11. Happy Holidays. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me, your ticket to some of the hottest plays by award-winning playwrights. We're back with the next play in our series, the ferocious comedy, Three Women of Swatow, by Chloe Hung. Three generations of women, a dark history, and oh, so much blood. These ingredients make up Chloe Hung's dark comedy, which looks at a legacy of abuse, the power of family, and the butchering of a chicken. Three Women of Swatow is a special show for us. The play was just days away from its world premiere at Toronto's Tarragon Theatre when the pandemic suddenly disrupted the production. The sets were all built, the cast was ready, and they made it all the way to the tech dress rehearsal when they were forced to postpone the run indefinitely. Of course, no one knew how long it would be before plays could be performed in front of an audience again. So in those very early days of the lockdown, we were fortunate to find a way to record the play remotely. We included it as part of our The Show Must Go On series, featuring cancelled plays due to COVID. We are thrilled to be able to present the show for the very first time on the radio, here on Play Me. And we're happy to let you know Three Women of Swatow will finally get its world premiere on the stage at Tarragon this January. And you're about to find out just how much this dark comedy about three women dealing with a grisly secret was worth the wait. And we should let our listeners know that this play contains some descriptions of violence and mature themes and is not suitable for everyone. This is Three Women of Swatow by Chloe Hung.
threw Sisera and all his chariots and forces into a panic before Barak. Sisera himself dismounted from his chariot and fled on foot to the tent of Yael, wife of Haber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Here we go. Back to the wife. Yael went out to meet Sisera and said, and said, <clears throat> and said, I, it's too hot. I'm sorry, it's too hot for biblical homicide. <sighs> ah, that's better. Oh, don't look at me like that. Hi, Ma. It's, um, it's me. And anyway, I have a cooking question. I'm just, I'm making, um, I'm making drunken chicken. And just wondering how long I should be soaking the, um, chicken for until it's all done. So, yeah, call me back. Oh, um, and honey, if you're listening to this, tell Grandma to call me back. Call me back. You have 13. Hi, Ma. It's, um... It's me. And anyway, I have a cooking question. I'm making, I'm making drunken chicken and just wondering how long I should be soaking the um, chicken for until it's... You have. Hi, Ma. It's, um, it's me. And anyway, I have a cooking question. daughter? Ma? Does someone else call you daughter? No, I'm just... You called. <laughs> you told me to call you back. You said in your voicemail three times to call you back. Now, I'm calling you back. I left that voicemail hours ago. Oh, I'm a very busy woman. Now, for the chicken, you soak it however long you want. If you want something with a lot of flavor... 24 hours is best. Make sure you use the Shaoxing cooking wine, not that Western wine. Grapes won't do you any good. Ma, what if I don't have 24 hours? Then what did you start a lengthy recipe for? I, um... Is he back? What? <laughs> Your husband. Is he back? Doesn't he come back today? How did you know when he'd be back? Your daughter said he's coming back Today or tomorrow, I forget. Besides, you're a vegetarian. What are you making an entire chicken for? That's a lot of work for just him. And knowing him, you're better off feeding him wine straight from the bottle. Grape wine, bottom shelf. No need to spend your time, but... It's actually a complicated recipe. If you could... There's nothing complicated about it. Cook it through, then soak it for 24 hours. What's wrong with you? Daughter, is everything all right? Daughter. Yes, of course. Everything's great. I have to go. I've got my hands full, Ma. I love you. Bye. I love you? Papa? I'm home. Oh. Um. Yael. 
wife of Haver, got a tent peg and took a mallet in her hand. Papa, they still won't order the fish paste. You think grocery stores would have that by now? It's not just white people who shop there. Mm. And when Cicero was in a deep sleep... And white people like making Asian food now. I keep seeing those recipes on Insta. And drove the peg through his temple down into the ground and he died. Who died? A man who had it coming. Oh my God, why are you naked? <laughs> It's hotter than Egypt in here. They don't strip naked in Egypt? You don't know that. We need AC. Mm, just the heat wave, it'll pass. I'm dying in here. In that case, how about you go to your mother's and get my AC units I left there? It's just a heat wave. It'll pass. <laughs> Don't do that. You speak Chinese. Of course I understand English, but you're in my house and you'll speak Chinese in my house. I got house. the chicken you wanted. Breasts, not thighs. Oh, but thighs are so much juicier. <laughs> Just like you. I? You chose this gut? Have I taught you nothing? Who's your butcher? So careless. In my village, everyone knew they could get the best, the best cuts, cuts from, from me. me. Can you at least put your robe back on? <laughs> Such a prude. Fine. Here. You can look now. Too bad this apartment doesn't have a backyard. You remember? I used to keep chickens when you were little. You would help me pluck the feathers. You made your first kill when you were three. Ah, yes. What a milestone. I'm sure mom has a blood splatter in my baby book next to a picture of my kindergarten handprint. <laughs> She was so furious. You went to kindergarten and said, when I grow up, I want to be a butcher like my grandmother. I was so... Proud. Hmm. Hey, since the butcher at your store is so terrible, I can teach you. I know how to use a knife to cut meat. <sighs> it's not just about cutting meat. It's an art. It takes precision, practice, focus. Come, I'll teach you. I don't want you Then to teach you me. Then you can work the meat counter instead of the checkout. I don't want to work the meat counter. Hey, my mother taught me to kill a chicken before I could walk. I wanted to teach your mother, but she became a vegetarian, so disappointing. And speaking of your mother and chickens... Impressive segue. Hmm? Is that her? No, it's... No. Who, who is it? None of your business. I gave birth to your mother. Who gave birth to you? So all your business is my business. You don't have to worry about mom. She's figuring it out. Twenty years married and still figuring it out. Glaciers move faster than her. She's fine. Her bruises are healing. Ow! You said don't worry about mom. Now you're telling me she has bruises that need to be healed... Use your head. If you smack it any harder, there won't be a head to use. <sighs> Next time you see her, insist she take my offer. I already saw her once this week. At the house? No, I met her at the little cafe at the front of the grocery store. How about you go over to your mother's now, see how she's doing. I'm not going back to that house. <clears throat> Tell her she can sleep here. I can use my neighbor's extra air mattress. <sighs> She has so many for all her grandchildren because her daughter can't use birth control. <laughs> Catholics. Uh, and Mrs. Wu at the restaurant is giving me overtime shifts. Papa, you shouldn't be working overtime anyways. You should chill. Chill? Yeah, it means relax. You should be... This was nearly full when I left. Uh, you don't know that? Yes, I made a mark this morning. Right here. See? I have good tolerance. That's because I've been diluting it with water. I've been diluting them all. Hmm... 
Didn't know you had it in you. This one's gone down too. How much did you drink? Oh, you've been diluting my alcohol. That's why I have to drink so much. You're doing this to me. No, no, no. I'm not falling for that. I'm trying to help you. This is something your mother would do. She would always tiptoe and play games instead of just saying it. Did you hear her voicemail? Stop deflecting. Things are going to be different in this house. So, you're making the rules now. Yes, it's not going to be like it was at Mom's. Papa, I want you to promise me you'll stop drinking. Now, there's no need for that. You're already on medication for your intestines. White doctors are always scared of any little thing. My Chinese doctor said... Your herbalist. Doctor, he said... Did he go to med school? He said, I have hot lungs. I'll say. Jin cools me down. For chicken, you get the cheapest cut, but for chocolate, only the fanciest for you. I only eat a square at a time. It's dark chocolate. It's good for you. Your mother should have taught you better habits. It's a stress thing. <laughs> Tell that to your waistline. You're looking better, but now you're in danger of going all the way to the other side. Look at this. Hey. Pudding. It should be firm like plank steak. You should go to those gym classes. I saw a flyer at church for pilates. Pilates, those places are so judgy. How about Tai Chi? You can join me and my friends. All you and your friends do with Tai Chi is gossip. Gossip is an important part of Tai Chi. Oh, gossip helps with the flow of energy? Yes. There's nothing so invigorating as hearing of another person's demise. <laughs> I'm not going to Tai Chi. Then what will you do? My own thing. And what is that? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out on my own. Is it your mother? No, it's... I'm going to take this in my room. If it's your mother, tell her to take my offer. No, it's... I'm going to take this She's in my room. She's your mother. It's your duty. You tell her. <sighs> Preparation. Raising mountain. Part the wild horse's mane. Left, then right. White crane spreads wings, flashes. I can't marry that man. You will. I'm already engaged. No one who could help us. I'll leave. Then go where? Shanghai. What if he's not there anymore? He will be. And if he's not? I'll wait. <laughs> With what money? With. I have none to give you. I know. And my family has none. I know. Your father left us with nothing. It's not his fault he died. It's not my fault we haven't got a penny. I know. But I can't marry that man. You're waiting on a ghost. I'm waiting on a chance. So you would leave me? Ma. All alone? Ma. You would leave your own mother? Do you want me to be destitute? Do you want me to be destitute? No. Are you a good daughter? Yes. Then do your duty and marry that man. Now come, join me. Practice Tai Chi. It's, uh, it's me. 
And anyway, I have a cooking question. I I'm making, I'm making drunken chicken. I'm just wondering how long I should be soaking the um, chicken for until it's all done. So yeah, call me back. Oh, and um, honey, if you're listening to this, tell Grandma to call me back. Call me back. I'm gonna make some stir fry before I go out tonight. What are you doing? Did you speak to your mother today? Well, kinda. I mean, yes or no? We texted. About? I don't know. Regular stuff. What kind of regular stuff? I don't remember. Let me see your phone. What? No. Let me see it. Is that her? No. Who is it? No one. Hey, get that back. Steve? <laughs> Who's Steve? No one. Oh, no. Stop reading my texts. So many emojis. That's private. Clearly. Is this Steve who you're seeing today? What? No, I, I, I'm just... Stop stuttering. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. You make dinner. Save some for me. Everything's fine. Where are you going? I'm going to see my daughter. Please. Why is it taking so long? Science. What do you know about science? I know everything. You're going to need a new spoon. Then get me one. You melted all the serving spoons already. Should I go to the store? No, I can make do with this. Stirring isn't going to make much of a difference at this point. Wait! What are you doing? I'm calling your daughter. Oh, I don't need to add more people to this, especially not her. She has texted me three times already. Everything is not about you. Don't be so self-centered. I'm not. I can't hear you. Is she okay? I have not called her yet. You keep interrupting me. The last time I saw her, the way she looked at me, I just wanted to curl up. Like you're doing right now? Hey, I'm doing my best over here. Will you just let me call? <clears throat> Go make us tea. Go. <clears throat> Hi, it's me. It's Popo. Your mother and I are fine. I think we're um bonding, but we'll be a little while longer. Eat first. I will be back before you go out. End of message. Ma? Jasmine or chrysanthemum? Chrysanthemum! Here. What is this? Chrysanthemum. From a bag? Yes. Also, now you're against tea bags. No, I can't even make tea right. Just tea, Ma. Who cares if it's loose leaf or not? I can't tell. I bet you if I gave you loose leaf, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I could. I mean, you would still get snobby about it. But it's not the right kind of loose leaf. What shop did I get it in? Oh, not that one. Their tea leaves have been sitting there for a decade. Not that store. They keep a dog in there all day. I got this tea. I like this tea. It's just tea. Why are you always in my case about tea? There are so many different kinds of tea, and they're all the same. So why does it matter? Mine comes in a tea bag made by Lipton. It's just tea. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm convinced. Drink your tea, Ma. 
It's hot. It's tea. No. This room. Where are those AC units I bought in Chinatown? You don't live here anymore. Yes, but my AC units do. <laughs> ah, he sold them, didn't he? You don't have to stay. Just sit down. Chill. Chill? It means relax. I know what chill means. Okay, then do it. You're very calm. Too calm. I've been praying for this day ever since you married him, and God has answered my prayers. I don't think God advocates for gruesome deaths. I think the Bible would say otherwise. Oh, yes, that's right. Your favorite parts. Church services usually skip those chapters. Which is why we stopped going to service. I thought it was because the gossip wasn't good anymore. When your daughter is the subject of gossip, it makes it difficult to sit through a lecture about love and charity. And it's not like any of those Baptists ever cared to do anything. Not back in the village. Not here. I'll pray for her, that's what they say, and then go back to their cheating husbands. I don't think prayer is going to help either of us much now. I just bought myself a one-way ticket to hell. I was going to hell anyway. I'd be happy to have your company. Oh, come on. It'll be fine. You're too calm. You're making me more nervous. I'm nervous for the both of us. That's nice. Thank you. I hate being nervous. Oh, let me. It's her. What did she say? All good, question mark. I made stir-fry, yum. Then there's a cat with hearts as eyes. Um, nom, nom. Is mom a smiley face or... Now this one looks like a ghost with his hands on his face like the Home Alone boy. Ha, 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 ha. Put on a Robert Redford movie either way. Bicep muscle. What the hell does this mean? Right back. Frowning face. Snorting two puffs of air emoji times 10,000. I'm not writing that. What's an emoji? Since when do you text? Since I learned I could annoy your daughter without even opening my mouth, I just send her random emojis over and over again until she picks up the phone and calls me back. You two are certainly having fun over there. We are. She's a nice girl. Fat. But I gather overeating is a nervous habit she picked up from you. It's a stress thing. Speaking of emojis, your daughter has been sending emojis to a boy named Steve. Steve? Who's Steve? Steve is a boy she's been sending emojis to. Is that a euphemism? She's texting him. Eggplant, arrow sign, taco. He says DTF, which I can only assume means something along the lines of eggplant, arrow sign, taco. DTF. Dintaifeng? Maybe he's asking her to go to dim sum. <sighs> they don't have tacos at Dintaifeng. Use your brain. Look at this. Can you imagine her saying it out loud? Well, I don't think they actually say emojis out loud. Youth culture hasn't completely gone off the rails. She's so brazen with her texting. How did you get this? I took a screen grab on her phone and texted it to myself. How do you know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. If you want to be a good parent, you need to keep up with the times. Thanks for the tip. You know, eggplants and tacos could be something completely harmless. For all we know, it's a commentary on Mexican cuisine. What? How odd. I never noticed before. You're a lot like first uncle. You mean second uncle. No, first uncle. You don't like first uncle? Mm-hmm. You need to do something about Steve. Like what? Get rid of him. Oh, sure, because getting 40 gallons of acid wasn't hard enough the first time. Oh, not like that. Well... Ma! Just 
do something. What do you want me to do? Lock her in her room? She doesn't even live with me anymore. You saw to that. This is my responsibility? She's an adult. She's her own responsibility. I have given her the tools that she... <laughs> what tools? You never tell her to do anything. Children learn more through example, not lecture. And what a great example you hey. are. Hey! As her oh, mother... Oh, here we go. It's your job. It is your job to make, make her... Make her? Do what's best. She has so much potential, but she's texting boys and failing at school. Her weight going up and down like a yo-yo. She's in recovery. She has a job. She's taking college classes in the fall. She can reapply to university next year. This is not an issue anymore. It was resolved. By me. You think she got that grocery store job by herself? Hmm? You think she made a four-step university plan by herself? You think she dragged herself out of bed and wiped her own tears all by herself? You just love kicking me when I'm down, don't you? Another parenting tactic. Very familiar with that one, actually. I'm not kicking you. I'm motivating you. There's a difference. Not the way you do it. You inherited my knife skills, but where your lack of motivation comes from eludes me. That's why your daughter is so directionless, too. Swatow women are supposed to be fierce. I'm sorry I'm so lacking. I don't like that. What part? There's so many aspects of me that fall into the category of things you don't like. Self-deprecation. I don't find it funny. I don't do it to be funny. Why do you do it? Because there are so many aspects of me that fall into the category of things you don't like. <clears throat> He'll be gone soon. She can never know. She will know. She won't understand. I think she's wanted this for a long time. Oh, no, she just says that. That's what kids say, but they don't really mean it. <laughs> like eggplant arrow sign taco? If she finds out, it'll destroy her. I will always be the person who killed her father. You will always be the person who saved her from her father. She won't see it that way. My mother used to say, women can't afford to be cowards. I'm not a coward. I did that. I'm stirring your husband's bits, what's left of him, like a stew. You really want to call this brave? This is never going to work. Of course it will. This is a different time now, Ma. We can just run away to a different country. They can analyze DNA. Satellites can see us from space. I don't think we're interesting enough. My daughter will never speak to me again. She will. And she'll never have a chance at a normal life. She will. I'll be rotting in a jail cell for the rest of my life, getting shipped in my sleep. You will. I will. We're going to prison. No, we are not going to prison. I am going to prison. You can't. I can. You're in your 60s. Early 60s? You said you wanted to go to Europe. You can go to Europe. I don't want to go to Europe. Oh, that's just stupid. If I'm going to prison, you're going to Europe. I can't let you do that for me. You will. Now, you need to go to my apartment. You've been here long enough. I'm not leaving you. What was that? Ma? Ma? Mommy, huh? Mommy, ma? Mommy, huh? I'm ma? thinking. What? Is it still training? There's no movement. Ma, it's not. You see that, right? I see it. Well, let me think. Ma! Stand back. I'm going to plunge. Wait. Um, put on this visor. Where'd you get this? I left it here. Just 
I would never wear this. This is very Asian. Or Asian. this. Mom? Papa? Oh my God, Papa, what are you doing here? Idiot child, I told her to stay. Hey, stop splashing. You'll burn your flesh off. She can't see this. Where are you guys? We're in the bathroom. Why did you do that? It's not like we're in another dimension. She'll eventually find us. So, this is where the party's at. Nice visor. <laughs> Just in case someone didn't know, I'm a Chinese grandma. Uh, your mother had some drainage issues in the bathroom. Yeah, that smells disgusting. It just smacks you in the face as you walk in the front door. Does it? Yeah. Did something die in your pipes? <laughs> uh, oh. What are you doing here? Miss me? Terribly. No, I, uh, I brought dinner. Mom, your neck. Uh, it's from before. No, these are from before. This bruise is new. So, you brought dinner. That's so nice. Your voicemail said you guys were bonding, so... You said we were bonding? We were. I made stir-fry and apple soup. If you want to, you, you know... You made apple soup? It's Dad's favorite. And yours? It's both our favorites. It's not mine. Ma. It's too sweet. Not now. Depends on your apples. Can we... What kind of apples did you use? Granny Smith and Red Delicious. What do you use? We're getting off track here. I just pick whichever is the cheapest. Well, you should know. The cheapest cut is never the best cut. Touché. We ate already. You should take the food and go home. I thought Dad might want some apple soup now that he's back. Is he back? No. Oh, I thought he got in this morning. Uh, he, he's going to be very late. Why don't you set up dinner in the kitchen and we can eat together? Okay. Ma! I'm starving. It's boiling in here and you're hungry. I, yeah, how did you know that? I'm hungry because I haven't eaten since noon. You didn't even offer me fruit when I arrived. Very rude. I kind of had a more pressing issue for us to attend to. I'm going to the kitchen. She made stir fry. You taught her to cook. Someone had to. Honestly, how can you raise a daughter who can't cook? Who's going to want a woman like that? Please stop turning everything into a teachable moment. <sighs> I think my blood sugar is dipping dangerously low. You can't. Ma, we have to clean this up. Well, we're going to need a bigger plunger. This one's all melted. <sighs> Let's just eat first. Take a break. Figure the rest out. We may need to go out for more supplies. I can't sit there and have a chat like nothing's wrong. Oh, my God. She's in the kitchen. Yes? Are the chemicals affecting your short-term memory? She's in the kitchen. We haven't cleaned up yet. There was... Um... Someone left a carving knife. It's actually called a scimitar. Not now. On the floor. And I... Um, there's just so much of it. 
so much. I, I didn't know what to... Just, just stay still. We don't want to spread the blood too much. Blood. Right. It's... I mean, were you cooking? Was this... The chickens when we... You know, with live yes. chickens? For dad? It, it must be for dad, because you're a vegetarian. You haven't eaten meat since you were 13 when your dad died. What is it? Who is it? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god, get it up. It's all over me. It's all over me. Stop, stop, stop. There's no chicken. There's no chicken. What did you do? Mom, what did you do? Oh my god. You know oh how my god. Be. What? You're sick. You're. I've got to get out of no, here. No, daughter, don't go in there. Ma, it's me. Ma, let me in. Did you get it? I did. Let me in. I'm almost done. Mrs. Chan will be getting up soon to use the bathroom. You should see this. Where is it? Daughter. Hey, where is it? So many knives. What did second uncle say? They all have that blue dot. Did you speak to second uncle? They're all from the store. Daughter, did you speak to second uncle? He wasn't there. He left the envelope in the mail slot. He wasn't there? Yes, but the envelope was... Everything we need is there. Uh, was there a note with the envelope? No. I thought second uncle would... Uh, what's wrong? Nothing. We're on our own now. I thought there'd be more blood. It's in the bucket. <clears throat> You've seen buckets of blood before? Blue Dot, the bucket is also from the store. You really chose the right line of work. I did not choose to be a butcher. It's in me. It's in our blood. That's not funny. No, it's not. All the women in our family are natural butchers. You'll see. Not all. I don't think I want to eat meat anymore. You never liked it in there anyway. Why play in a park like regular children when you have a meat locker and not... Help me wipe those down. A butcher's knife. I suppose that makes sense. A breaking knife to cut through tough skin, cartilage, and small bones. Cleaver. Sure. Odd. Stop messing around and wipe those down. A boning knife is to separate meat off the bone. And a carving knife is to slice thin cuts of meat. Give me the knives. It's very sharp. Daughter? Does it feel the same as when you're cutting pork? Daughter. Slicing through flesh. Daughter. What? Give me the knives. Oh, right. Can I have a minute? For what? I didn't really get a chance to say goodbye. He can't hear you now. 
I know, but I still want to. One minute. Then we have to move him before people start going to work. But I just wanted to tell you, I'm sorry. I guess goodbye, but I hope you're finding peace somewhere. Amen. You pray now? You said I could have a minute. I count fast. Put on these gloves. Help me get these bags out. Who taught you to pray? He did. Are we carrying these one by one? If not, we're going to need some kind of wagon because I can't carry more than one on my own. He never prayed. He gave me my Bible. That's my Bible. You can have a back if you want. He was never a real Christian. Barely anyone in this village can claim to be a real Christian. I don't think you can say who the real Christians are right now. I've read my Bible. I know the lessons and I can decipher right from wrong, the metaphor and the parable. But you did this. It is a violation of the fifth commandment. <laughs> it's not the fifth commandment. You don't believe in hell? If I'm going to hell, he's certainly there right now. He didn't violate a commandment? For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He did love you. <laughs> in his own way. Two days ago, you told me you were ready for this. What happened? Nothing. What happened? You're going to think it's stupid. I had a dream. Elaborate. It was us, older, drenched in blood, holding a knife. And there was another woman with us, younger. She looked like me, and she was cleaning herself in water, but the blood wouldn't come off. And she scrubbed and scrubbed, and it wouldn't come off. And, and so she stepped into me. That's it. You think it's stupid? It's not stupid. I didn't think you'd actually do it. This is our lives. I know. I just can't believe you actually did it. That's all. I'm hungry. This guy could follow you, would still be hungry. Come on. Mrs. Chen will be up soon, and then the streets will be full of people. Wagon. What? We need a wagon. There's one in the shop. Bring the wagon to the alley. I will meet you there. Leave her be. Get in here and help me now. Daughter, I'm going to be right up there in the kitchen. Maybe keep the door and window open. The, the fumes. Whenever you're ready, just... Okay. It hasn't finished draining yet. It will, eventually. But it means she's in there with him. <laughs> What's left of him? Nothing about this is funny. <laughs> it's a little funny. Honestly, daughter... I didn't know you had it in you. I'd hope you did. I'm You're not. Proud. I've waited my whole life to hear that. And of course, it's after I accidentally killed my husband. We should have jackets made. The husband killers. We could form a motorcycle gang collecting abused women along the way. Then we'll write music and Hollywood will make a film about us. You're disgusting. Thank you. Get them up. And by the way, you murdered your husband. Accidentally killed implies it was an accident. It was an accident. <laughs> Whatever you say. She's been in there a while. She needs to see it. See her father's dismembered remains swirling around a bathtub? No one needs to see that. I should know. One of us should go in there, talk to her. Forget about her. 
We have to clean this up. We'll deal with your daughter's feelings later. Later? She'll recover. Ma, you don't get it. She won't. She won't what? Uh, nothing. We were, we're just figuring out, um... Figuring out what to tell me? Like, say if I didn't come over. Actually, yeah, I'm curious. What would you have said if I didn't come over? I, uh, honey, I, I know you have a lot of questions. I'm... Okay, how about you sit down and oh, we can just... Don't sit. Scrub. If you two are going to talk about your feelings, at least do something productive. Scrub and talk. I'm not doing anything. I'm not helping you clean up my... My father. That's my father. On the ground. In the bathtub. All over our hands. That's my father. You killed my father. No, honey, it was an accident. You're disintegrating his body in a bathtub. Well, last week you said you wished he was dead. I didn't actually mean it. I was trying to follow the plan. Your plan. My plan was about getting your money back, getting you a separate bank account, cutting you off from him financially. I don't recall murder being a part of that plan. I tried following the plan. I said exactly what you told me to say, and he started getting angry. You know how fast it can escalate? He just leaps from one idea to the next, and then, then he grabbed a frying pan and started swinging at me. I, I had to defend myself. Not with a knife. You go to the panic cupboard. I did. He broke the door down. What about a hug attack? Didn't that article say people like Dad need to be hugged? Something about the pressure simulating the the feeling of of being in a home. I couldn't exactly get to him with the frying pan swinging from my head. But... Oh, for sake. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Hug attack. Panic cupboard. If he's more beast than man, there's nothing more to be done. You need to make a real change. Yeah, death will definitely be a change. It will be. Now scrub. What do you mean? I mean, like, people will miss him. I... People are going to notice he's not around. Because he's so popular? He didn't exactly have a lot of friends. No one will miss him. The... The tables will miss him. Oh, my God. She's right. Imbecile. Ma. Only an imbecile gets out of debt by gambling. My mother used to say, idiots only need half a brain to make a mess. You should have told me, owing money to Big Lee is a big deal. How did you know it was Big Lee? Tai Chi. Oh my god, oh my god! You didn't think of that? Well, there wasn't a lot of time to think about things. We'll deal with it. I don't think anyone would be surprised to learn that he just cut and run and left his family. Okay. Yes, yes, good idea, Ma. I'm full of them. Hmm. <sighs> That it? Um, well, I guess we'll need to inform the bank, have the hydro bill transferred to me. Uh, Ooh, we're just going to lie and pretend like nothing happened. Clean up all this blood and have stir fry while he's draining in the sewers. Well, yeah. Ma! In fact, you shouldn't even be here. Didn't you have plans tonight? Call up a friend. You have one, don't you? How about Tina? Is she the one who wears the short skirts? And the thigh-high boots. I'm not going out with Tina tonight. I don't care about Tina. Oh, my. What happened? What did Tina do? I think the question is, 
Who did she do? Steve? Wait, wait, how do you know about Steve? I told Um, her about Steve. I guess neither of you care about privacy anymore. Privacy goes out the window when you start lying to me. I wasn't lying. It's a private relationship. If you have to keep your relationship private, then it's not a real relationship. Because you're such an expert. Hey, don't talk to your grandmother that way. You've only ever been with one man, and he died. And your goal in life is to be with hundreds? Why, Isa? At least I have options. I have a choice. You're right. I didn't have a choice. But if I did, I wouldn't be giving it up to the first boy who looked at me like a chocolate bar. Eggplant. Arrow sign. Taco. So, Steve cheated on you with Tina. I'm so sorry, honey. Not exactly. Steve cheated on Tina with me. Oh. Don't look at me like that. I know. I know what you're going to say. We're not saying anything. With our mouths. Is there another friend you can call? How about church? I don't think I'm the one who needs to be saved. She's not trying to save you. No, not in that way. I'm trying to make sure you're seen tonight. Hey, Mm -hmm. Thursday Fellowship is tonight. (gasps) Go to Thursday Fellowship. You just said you're cleaning it up, telling people he ran off. So why do I need to be seen tonight? (laughs) It's a precaution. In case there's an investigation. I hope there's an investigation. Take that back. But she has the right to be angry. (laughs) Yeah, I do. You killed my father. You belong in prison. You're murderers. Murderers? Did you tell her? I think she just means me. Tell me what? Nothing. Is there something else I need to know? Something bigger than you killed my father? Not bigger, necessarily. More lateral. I knew it! You knew? She knew? I knew. Well, not officially, but I knew. How did you know? Oh my god, honey, it's not what you think. Did you both kill your husbands? Yes. Well... Then it's exactly what I think. It's exactly what I... Oh, my God. You both... Honey, are you okay? Don't touch me. What can I do? Can I... Hold me. Hold me. Count. One, two, breathe. One, two, breathe. One... Wow, that was, um, does this happen often? What do you think? I think you two are murderers, and I can't be in this house with murderers. I'm not a murderer. Well, you live in my house, and you say you knew that I'm a murderer, so... Didn't know? No, I only kind of knew. I suspected. I mean, you're always reading those same Bible passages. Only a psychopath reads about women killing men in the Bible over and over and over. in and out, in and out. I gotta move out. I'm not going to murder you. Although it would be too easy, I'd lure you with a trail of chocolate. Ma! Oh my God! (laughs) It's a joke! Hilarious. Good to know murderers have a sense of humor. Life is already tragic enough without you making it morose. Murder is morose. Do you find it funny too? Of course not. It was horrifying. Was it? Yes. It all happened so fast. I didn't have time to think. It was an accident. An accident? Why didn't you call an ambulance? Um, well, I thought about it. Careful now. If it was an accident, why didn't the paramedics come? Why didn't you go to a hospital? I, I, um... You didn't call 911, file a police report. You didn't do any of that. So how can you still call this an accident? Uh, 
Was yours an accident, too? Please. I never make mistakes. I set a trap. I waited. I had five knives ready and bags and buckets. I killed him and cut him in small pieces to make it easier to dispose of the body. Where did you dispose of the body? She dumped him in a landfill. <laughs> it wasn't a landfill. My husband's family owned many farms, among them a pig farm. A pig farm? Why would you dispose of him in a pig farm? Mm-hmm. The pigs? Mm-hmm. The slaughterhouse? Yes, yes. Your butcher shop? The whole village knew what I went through, and no one did anything. Jesus. My parting gift. That's psychotic. What he did was psychotic. What they did was inhumane. This was merely a punishment to fit the crime. You didn't have to do it like that. How should I have done it? Off the top of my head, poison? How's that less brutal? It would have made it easier to explain why he died. A heart attack, or he got sick, or something. Then you wouldn't have needed to run away. Honey, don't they call poison a woman's weapon? Men call it a woman's weapon because men are unimaginative. This conversation is fearing... And chopping someone up into little pieces, feeding him back to his family. That's imaginative. Well, have you ever watched someone die of poison? No. Let's not talk about poison. It's imprecise. Too little and they're in agony for ages and will possibly recover. Too much and it's over in a blink of an eye. Butchery is about precision. I use the tools and skills I have at my disposal. All right, enough. You're not talking about strategies of murder with my daughter. You're not going to turn this into yet another piece of knowledge to pass on. Why not? Sounds like she already has a knack of it. Oh, my God. We killed a man. Two men. This will not be our legacy. I didn't mean to continue this. I didn't mean for this to happen. So how did you do it? I didn't plan it for starters. I'm not like her. You're lying. No, I'm not. It was an accident. An accident. I know. You said. So he just tripped and fell into a tub full of acid. It's complicated. You're just like her. Actually, no. You're worse. At least she's owning up to it. She hated my father. He was a bad man. At least she's not pretending. You want me to be like her? Unfeeling? Unforgiving? So what's your excuse? Was my father a bad man? Yes. He... No. No, he was just troubled. That's one word for it. Yes, another word is abusive. Ma, you're not helping. All I do is help. Honey, your dad was a complicated person. Sometimes he could be sweet and kind, but other times... Well, you know how it was other times. I don't know what you're trying to do, Mom. You're playing the victim, but you killed him. I'm not playing anything. He beat up on me for two decades. So you're saying he deserved to die? Yes. No, I'm saying it was really complicated. It, it was... Then why did you marry him? He wasn't always like that. In the beginning... Why did you stay? How can you ask me that? I tried to get you out. Papa tried so hard to get you out, and you I refused refuse help. I didn't refuse help. He wouldn't let me leave. You didn't want to leave. Yes, I know. I didn't leave. I didn't leave. Is that what you want me to say? That it's all my fault? Everything is my fault? If you left, this wouldn't have happened. No, if you hadn't left, this wouldn't have happened. What? What? You left me. You both did. Alone with him. And we were barely talking. And you, with all your pity, judging me, looking at me like I was trash, like I was weak. I'm not weak. I'm not. You don't know what it's like to love someone who hurts you. 
You don't know how much it hurts, how much I hate him and need him. But I also needed you, both of you. And you were gone. You abandoned me. And now my husband's dead. My husband's dead. My husband's dead. Mom. You should go. I can't. Go. Go to Thursday Fellowship. Be seen. If something happens... Papa! Mm, if something happens, say that you came to see us, dropped off food, and then went to Thursday Fellowship. Not a lie. To you, it just looks like your mother and I were hanging out. Chilling. Chilling? That's right. You're a smart girl. Fat, but smart. You overeat when you're sad. So don't be sad. Be smart. Be happy. Go. Hello, daughter. It's me. Ma? Yes, of course it's Ma. What's going on? I came home from the grocery store and your husband practically skipped out the door past me. Why is your husband in such a good mood? Everything's fine. I take it... You didn't do it. Ma, please. Did you tell him last night? Well, it's complicated. Did you at least talk to him about the bank account? Well, we went out to eat. Oh, no. It just didn't seem like the appropriate place to bring it up. His idea? Well, yes, but he was trying to be romantic. You have to give him that. I will not. We went to that Italian place on College Street. Every place on college is Italian. Oh, Ma, you know the one I mean. It was so romantic. I ordered spaghetti al vongole. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> Sounds Italian. Vongole means clams. You're a vegetarian. Yes, but... Uh... You wouldn't speak to me for a week because I gave you pork broth when you had pneumonia. It was a special occasion. You're being evasive. It's been so long since we had a good night. We've both been working so hard and we've both been on edge. You mean he's been on edge. And last night was so romantic. We actually had time together. We just looked at each other and smiled. Last night, we smiled. Did smiling get you a separate bank account? And we talked about everything. Like having separate bank accounts? We talked about when we first met, and our first date, and our wedding. Oh, and that time the washing machine broke and leaked with soapy water, and we fell in it. It was so romantic. <sighs> that washing machine broke because he said he would fix that leaky valve, and he never did. I hand-washed all of your clothes for six months. Oh, Ma, you weren't there. You don't understand. All you see is the bad. Don't let this drag out. My mother used to say, if something needs to die, make it a quick death. She was talking about chickens. It applies here. It's a bit more complex than that. I'm not you. I got a call from Mrs. Wu. Uh-huh. She and her daughter saw your husband out last night in the back room at Lee's. What were they doing at the back room at Lee's? That place is such a dump. Aren't you a bit suspicious of what he was doing there? So he gambles sometimes. It's where he and his friends go to blow off some steam. There are women at Lee's. Like Mrs. Wu and her daughter. No, women. <gasps> what? Oh my God. What's going on? Are you okay? It wasn't the clams. I knew it wasn't the clams. They were too tasty to give me food poisoning. That's not how food poisoning works. I'm pregnant. Look, I bought the test this morning. That's a plus sign, right? Mm. I'm pregnant. Ma? Well, um, I mean, 
Yes. Great. I'm having a baby, Ma. Yes, you are. Um, what? Can I just... No, but... You're not spoiling this for me. I'm not trying to, but given the state of your marriage... You never had a normal marriage. This is what married people do. They want to share their lives together. And they have babies they actually want together. You can't tell me you actually wanted to have me. Only because I knew in the end you would only have me. Exactly. Now you can rest easy because my baby will have two parents. Your husband is not a parent. Not yet. Have you told him? I just peed on a stick. Mm, Okay, that's good. Maybe don't tell him. He never needs to know about the baby. We can leave, get an apartment. I can get a second job. I can help you with a baby. You don't need him. Of course I need him. He's the father. If we don't leave now, we may never be able to, especially after the baby's born. He will have rights to the baby, rights that will last for 18 years, and we don't have the money for a lengthy legal battle. Why are you talking about him like that? He's my husband. He's the father. My child is going to have two parents, not one parent and one grandparent, two parents, him and me. Things are going to be different. Now, if you're going to be negative, you can just leave. Leave? I didn't mean... No, I think you did. Ma... You'd rather get rid of me than him? Answer me. I, I just want you to be happy for me. I'm... I'll be happy if you are. I am. I'm going to be a mother. You're going to be a grandmother. I'm going to be a grandmother. Oh, no. Daughter? Can I come in? You should go. As soon as this gets cleaned up and we devise our plan. The plan. Always the plan. So carefully crafted, meticulously thought out. A new life, a second chance. For years, you devised the perfect murder and the perfect escape. And in one day, I got us right back where we started. I feel sick. It's the fumes and the heat. Open this door. He's still there, just swirling around, stuck in the drain. Half here, half there, and nowhere at all. You're going to pass out if you don't get some ventilation in there. Splash some water on your face and come and clean this mess you've made. The mess I've made? I can't believe you. It's about me now? You might want to take a little responsibility, Ma. Look how I grew up, some role model I had. You needed to see it. To see what it took. And your daughter needed to see it, too. She needs to learn before it's too late. Killing your husband isn't a parenting tactic. Do you think I learned anything from what you did? You clearly learned something. Murder isn't something you're supposed to teach your children. It's not like passing on an infinity for soccer. This can't be our legacy. So, being battered women, you want that to be our legacy? Ma. No. Tell me. What should I have taught you? Lie down, just take it. I taught you to stand up for yourself. There's a difference between standing up for yourself and killing someone. Sometimes there isn't. You're insane. You're acting like there are no consequences. Well, for you, there were no consequences. Oh, I know the consequences. You could have run away. 
You could have hidden. You could have run away. You could have hidden. It's difficult. I know. For you, it was easy to make a decision back then. Easy? Oh, my, that's not what I meant. You think any of that was easy? By killing him, you got rid of an abusive husband that you hated and you got a new life in a new country. You were free. But for me, I lost my father. You would have rather had an abusive father who tossed your mother around like a rag doll than no father at all? Don't you care about me? Of course I do. How can you love a man who does that? You don't understand love because you've never been in love. <sighs> Where is it? Ma? Where is it? Ma? Where is it? Ma? I threw it all out. You lie. Alcohol makes demons of everyone. Sit down. Your sobriety is not noble. Why is it so damn hot in this house? I can't breathe. Just stop for a moment. Stop moving. What aren't you telling me? First uncle was a gambler. He always seemed to owe somebody something. He was taking money from the shop to pay off his debts. Your father's father? He practically owned our village. All those loan sharks, bookies, they all belonged to him. The only way for first uncle to save our family was to give this rich man something he needed. A bride for his pathetic son. It didn't matter that he didn't love me. And it certainly didn't matter that I didn't love him, that I loved... Oh, 20 years I live in this house. Your husband was never without a beer in his hand, and now... Ma, who was he? He thought if he made enough money to pay off first uncle's debts that he could marry me. So he went to Shanghai to seek his fortune. I never heard from him again. I dreamt one day he would come back and save me from all of this. So I took matters into my own hands. My job is to protect you. If he had stayed alive, he would have hurt you too. He wouldn't. He already did. You just couldn't see the scars yet. I did what I had to do. I'm not going to apologize to you or to anyone. I didn't need you to apologize to me. I needed you to talk to me. But you were so cold. You never faltered. You never showed any remorse for killing my father. Why would I show remorse? He was a bad man and he deserved it. No, you never considered me. You never considered that I'd become collateral damage to your plan. Your brilliant plan. You needed to see what we are capable of. So that's how women are fierce. I saved you. No, Ma, you doomed me. Everything I did was to give you strength, teach you to make good choices. But there you went, shacking up with someone who's just like your father. I don't know where I went wrong with <laughs> you. And your daughter couldn't grow up seeing you like that. So you took her away? You chose her over me? It wasn't a choice I made lightly. Ma. I had to. You weren't going to leave him, and if we stayed, it would have gotten worse for her. So you left me, all alone. I should have dragged you out of the house the second you told me you were pregnant. I knew once you stayed, you could never leave. We don't have money for a lengthy legal battle. That's what you told me when I told you I was pregnant. Yes. So you waited until her 18th birthday. Yes. 
You took my baby. I had to, to save her. I'm a lost cause. Clearly not. Us leaving was the push you needed. Abandoning me was the push I needed? I was abandoned too. I had to figure it out on my own. And I did. It's a dangerous game you played. It worked. You did this. No, you did. Don't you see? You were capable all along. Of murder. I... I murdered him. I murdered him. <laughs> I murdered him. I murdered him. Oh, you know he said he wanted to make it work. He always said that. I know. And I knew he would. So I let him talk. He said he wanted to make it up to me. Take me on a trip. I suggested Paris, New York, a Caribbean island. You know where he wanted to go? Las Vegas? Close. Death Valley. Did you know one of the hottest places in the world is a stretch of desert in California? It's so hot that it's called Death Valley. Quite prophetic of him. There are places with names like that all over the world, and he wants to go to all of them. Death Valley, the mouth of hell, Suicide Forest, Tragedy Lake, Satan's Kingdom. You made up that last one. Nope, there's actually two. One in Massachusetts and one in Vermont. Of course. America has two Satan's kingdoms. He wanted to see it. He's probably there right now. And I was standing there, making him lunch and thinking about him dragging me around the world to places I don't want to go. And I just started laughing and laughing. And then he stood up suddenly. Why are you laughing, he said. You're laughing at me. Stop laughing at me. And he grabbed me by the throat and threw me on the ground. And he just... He just went back to eating. He left me on the ground, gasping for air. There was no frying pan. I didn't run to the panic cupboard. The knife was right there, right where I placed it, right in front of me. And I didn't hesitate. I murdered him. I thought I would feel peace with him gone, but I only feel pain. That'll go away. Once you settle into your new life, you'll find it easier to breathe. Can't believe we're back here again. I really thought it would be different. That he was different. But now the veil's lifted and everything still ended up exactly the same. Mm, not exactly the same. I just chopped up my husband. You burnt the flesh off yours. Wildly different. <laughs> I sold the AC units. I sold a few things in this house he wouldn't miss. Just a bit of money to open a bank account. You opened a bank account? Why didn't you tell us? I wanted to do it on my own. Where'd you sell it? That pawn shop up the street. Oh. What? If you sold it in Chinatown, I could have gotten you more money. Oh. <sighs> I went to the store. Okay... I got plungers, and I'm going to pour this into the uh, tub. Use the gloves. Okay. <laughs> she came back. It worked. She'll never forgive me. Of course she will. No, Ma. She never will. 
Children are taught a parent's struggle so that they may inherit their wisdom and become better versions of their parents. If that's the case, what a disappointment I am. No, daughter. What a disappointment I am. I used to have this dream. I'm standing by a river. In a row, as far as the eye could see along this river, are women, each a little younger than the next. And then I realize they're all me. And one by one, they disappear. They all disappear until it's just me. And I look into the water to see I'm a very old lady, all alone. There was a time I would have this dream every night. I have that dream. In my dream, I am the youngest and the older ones disappear until I'm left as an infant drowning in the river. I would never let you drown. I know. Neither of you would drown. That's why I taught you both to swim. Ma, it's a dream. Ruining the moment. I was trying to be emotional. That was me being emotional. Ah, <laughs> oh, Okay, la. let's go see our handiwork, shall we? Five plungers? What? That's a little excessive. Oh my god. No one buys five plungers for their home. I was trying home. to help. It's suspicious. Sorry I'm not as much of an expert as you. Not about being an expert. It's about common sense. Okay. Honey, five plungers was a good idea. Right, Ma? Did you at least buy them from different stores? Ah. All right. All right. Good job, daughter. I'm starving. I'm going to get soup. I thought you were hot. Suddenly, I don't feel so hot anymore. You came back. Yeah. I couldn't leave you again. Come. Drink. Drink. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, it smells really good, honey. Good job. I don't like Thank apples. Come on, no, come on. That's because it's the cheapest apples, I told you. Stop calling me. Why are you calling me? I'm busy. That's none of your business anymore now, is it? Oh, no, I didn't honey, know Honey, no, don't. Shh, shh, sit. Let her handle Why not? it. I'm sorry. What was that? I heard someone. I heard a woman. Is that Tina? She's still there? You're calling me from her house? You're such an asshole. No, I'm not coming over. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not ever. Goodbye. No tears now. Your papa may be gone, but we're still here and we haven't got a penny. We're a burden again to the family, so we're going to have to get our hands dirty. No squirming. Watch. You need to learn. 
don't count on someone else to do your job. Now, since you're still little, you won't be able to hold the chicken down and swing your knife. So I'll teach you a little trick. Take a bag, cut a small hole in the corner and place it over the chicken's head so that only its head pokes out. It'll help you keep the rest of its body from flailing. Next, take your cleaver. Make sure it's sharp. There's no point using a dull blade. Makes it worse for the chicken and for you. Do not hesitate. Do not make the animal suffer more than it needs to. Bring the blade down in one swift motion across the neck. Look up. Don't look away. Women can't afford to be cowards, and Swatow women are fierce. No weak strokes. Be sure you sever the chicken's neck at the right angle. If not, you may have a headless chicken walking around. But even though headless chickens don't dance for long, idiots only need half a brain to make a mess. If something needs to die, make it a quick death. A clean cut is a merciful cut. No residue, no trace, no consequences. Nothing is passed on. Now, it's your turn. That was Three Women of Swatow by Chloe Hung. I'm Chris Tolley, here with Laura Mullen, and you're listening to Play Me on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius XM. We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Chloe Hung has been called a writer to watch by J. Kelly Nustruck of The Globe and Mail. She was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and she splits her time between Toronto and Los Angeles as a playwright and a writer for TV. When Chloe began writing her dark comedy, she was still in grad school, and she knew she wanted to take some inspiration from her two grandmothers when crafting the characters in her show. Chris spoke to Chloe about why she feels it's so important to feature strong well, Asian when, when women When I first started her the play, I was actually in grad school, and I brought in some pages. Uh, I think it was that first scene, or what would become that first scene, and my... My playwriting teacher said to me, are Asian women actually like this? You know, referencing how how brash the grandmother is and um, or crass or however you want to describe her. And I sort of I looked at him like, what do you mean? <laughs> of course, they're like this. <laughs> the women that I grew up with were loud, very opinionated um, and they would they would tell you whatever is on their mind. They didn't really sure. care about your feelings necessarily. Um, you know, whatever they said, it's for your own good. I'm telling you for your own good. And mm-hmm. I think maybe as a society, you know, outside of the home, yes, you know, people will act differently around strangers, but it definitely uh, opened my eyes to the fact that the representation of Asian people, Asian women, and then especially older Asian women is so limited. 
that even this man who is a person of color, he, um, I suppose haven't, he hasn't met women like my grandmother in his life. And he also hasn't seen that portrayed in media. So I sort of then made it my mission to, I guess, make this grandmother as sort of larger than life as possible while also being true to life. I honestly didn't need to do that much to make her that outrageous because I find that both of my grandmothers um, have big personality. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that sort of set like a a fire under my ass to to really make that character as lovable and uh, sort of intense as possible. Yeah, it's interesting that you say he probably hasn't just had a lot of experiences meeting people like that. And that's probably because also there have been so few opportunities Mm -hmm. to hear Asian voices on stage, particularly strong women characters. Really, quite frankly, there are very few Asian plays that are produced these days. Yeah, and that that really is a real shame because we are out there. It's not like there aren't. Asian playwrights. There there are so many Asian playwrights. And something that I keep coming across um, whenever I went on these meetings with various literary managers, artistic directors of theater companies, I would always get the same response from them, which is that they programmed another Asian playwright last season. And, you know, there's so many Asian playwrights that write all kinds of different genres and different styles and and are examining different aspects of culture that it's it's really disheartening to hear, you know, there can only be one. And I think uh, for a lot of black playwrights, I think they've only very recently been able to get maybe two black playwrights yeah. in a season. Um, but even still, it's it's so difficult. Mm. I'm interested that in Three Women, you named all your characters daughter, mother, basically archetypal characters. And I'm wondering why you did that. Um, in Chinese culture, you're not necessarily called your first name. You're called uh, sort of your standing in the family. Okay. So, for example, when I was little, I wasn't called Chloe. I was called daughter. Mm. So for these characters, I decided to to keep them grandmother, mother, daughter, because that's that's what they would be calling each other. Right. And it sort of lent itself to a bit of uh, a nod to a Chinese culture, but also a universality that in every language there are grandmothers, mothers, daughters. And even though this story is specifically in a Chinese family, the themes and what they're dealing with is is quite universal because domestic violence, unfortunately, is such a universal issue amongst all cultures. Wow. We don't have a lot of time, but I, I just in closing, I want to try something different. I've never done this with anybody else before. Okay. I'd like to do basically speed interviews sure. where I just throw four questions at you and you just throw back whatever comes to your mind. Um, are you game? <laughs> okay. Okay. First question. What is the best thing about being a writer? That you get to create worlds. That's that's what the best part of being a writer is at, for sure. Okay, so what's the worst thing about being a writer? That you have to create worlds. 
<laughs> it is hard <laughs> yeah. um, because you have to create all of these rules of the world and then you go into a workshop you know with a dramaturge and actors and a director and they question you about the rules of the world that you've created and yeah sometimes i didn't think everything through <laughs> <laughs> uh what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given the i don't know if this is advice but this is something my mother said to me that i always come back to um when I think I was about to go into grad school around that time and I was really nervous about going into the arts and I asked her if if she wishes I did if I'd done something else and she said no she said that I needed to give this a real try otherwise I'll spend the rest of my life wondering whether I should and I don't know if that's necessarily encouraging or not, but it really stuck with me that um, this was the right thing for me to do was to really give it a solid try. Um, and it worked out. Um, but for anyone who's contemplating entering the arts, like that fear of career stability is so real, but also... Um, Feeding that creative side of you is also real that, you know, if you don't give it a real try, that you might find it, you know, that voice is still is still going to be there. I don't think your creativity ever goes away. That's great. That would be a beautiful way to end it. But I'm still going to ask the last okay. question, which is what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? <laughs> the worst piece of advice was when I got my first TV writing job. At the time, I was a writer's PA on a different show. And I went in and I and I told the writers um, that I'd gotten the, this gig at Queen Sugar and asked them for their advice for what a new writer should do. And they all, all of them, told me, don't talk you know you're a baby writer uh you're there to support the upper level writers don't talk don't overextend yourself you know don't be opinionated and i i took that to heart so the first day of queen sugar i had my mouth shut like most of the day and it wasn't until later on in the day where one of the, like the most upper level writer, Anthony Sparks, turned to me and said, what do you think of this? And he said it to me and it didn't feel like a challenge. It felt like an invitation. And I I gave my opinion and they really liked it. And ever since then, I realized um, I should speak. I, I always think back to that because they told me not to speak when really... I need to speak and I need to speak loudly. Yeah, that's that's like the worst advice anybody could give. Um Chloe, I'm I'm really curious, why did you decide to tackle the subject of of spousal abuse? It's such a heavy and weighty subject. Why did you want to go there? I wanted to write about domestic violence because it unfortunately is so prevalent in our society across across cultures, across countries. Um, and in so many uh, communities, I would say in all communities, it's a really taboo subject. 
but it's there. It's right under the surface. Um, sometimes you know about it. Oftentimes you have no idea that that family that seems so perfect that there's something like that going on underneath. So with three women, I was really focused on these three women and how they interact with each other. And even in the face of hardship, there is this lightness because of how they learned and know how to interact with each other. That inherently, even in the midst of cleaning up a murder, that someone's going to get criticized about their appearance or you need to eat more or, oh, you didn't yes. offer me fruit when I came in. Um, there there are those things that I think are just true to life. And I think that's what makes it accessible. That's what people connect to. I think we've all been in a situation, maybe not a murder, but we've all been in a situation <laughs> where maybe, you know, it was a somber occasion um, and, you know someone farts or like something yes. ridiculous happens <laughs> and you end up laughing and so i think that aspect is just so relatable and true to life mm -hmm. um and the way that i write i i can't help it <laughs> they they always <laughs> end up sort of bantering about silly things and then you know the sort of bigger issue hits later right you know, looking at your body of work, a common theme that seems to reoccur is that of female entrapment. And I'm wondering, do you think that's accurate? And if so, why do you why do you find yourself drawn to that? I think for a while I was I honestly don't know why I was in such a dark headspace and really wanted to examine <laughs> these bigger issues. Um but that's sort of what I was drawn to. With three women, I actually didn't go in with the intention of domestic violence, but that theme popped up so quickly when I started writing sure, that yeah. play that I that that's I had to go where the play wanted to go. Um, and I had to right. lean into whatever instinct it was that said, okay, something is going wrong in this family. These three women are hiding something. This is what they are hiding and this is what we're unpacking here you know in in the arts and beyond we're having some long overdue conversations about race and i'm just wondering from your perspective what are your thoughts about what needs to change to make theater and drama more equitable i think theater companies just need to start programming people of color and not one per season but many and I think people are making it more complicated than it needs to be the answer is simple and playwrights of color have been saying it for decades now just program us we're here we've made the art you know the whole conversation about subscribers and what the subscribers want to see. I saw that with Issei Hisei. You know, when when we were trying to get more companies interested, every single company except for New Jersey Rep, every single company said to me that it's hard to program a play with an all-Asian cast. 
and I, I wish they gave a different reason. I wish they just said, oh, I don't like your play. Um, I wish, <laughs> you know, that is an easier pill yeah. to swallow than, I mean, obviously that's a hit to my ego, but that's an easier pill to swallow yeah. than being given this half-ass excuse about, oh, we don't have the actors. Oh, our subscribers yeah. don't want to see that. Um can you put a white person in your play? I also got that a lot. Have you seriously, you've had somebody say that? Yes, I have many times. Uh, All Yesterday's did three, uh, three women, not a white person, but three women at one point had a man because there were people who were insisting that we needed that perspective. Really? And so I did it just to show people <laughs> that we don't need okay. it. Um, yeah. it. It took until New Jersey Repertory Company is this like tiny theater company in a small town in New Jersey. It's like an hour and a half train from Manhattan. And the subscriber base are all, you know, retirees. Sure. And white. And I was blown away by the response um, of the audience when I went to that opening night performance. So many people came up to me, came up to my grandmother and told me how much they could relate to it. Oh, this story reminds me so really? much of my mom yeah. and my and like when I was growing up. And it, it just proved to me that like all of those excuses are kind of, excuse my language, bullshit. Yeah. They, it's just an excuse. If you give people a compelling story, something that, you know, they can relate to the audience will come. Yeah. You know, for me, I was able to see my family. I was able to see myself in the show, which is, I think, a really remarkable achievement for any playwright. And I'm wondering, getting to that stage, were, were there any challenges? Were there any roadblocks along the way? Oh, absolutely. I'm very happy to hear that you could relate to the story and relate to the characters Something that I kept coming across, not just with this play, but other plays as well, is people telling me I needed a way in character or someone for the audience to relate to. Um, and oftentimes it was a male character. And the, the interesting thing about three women was it wasn't necessarily a way in character, but what uh, in the workshops, what people seemed to be craving was the father's perspective that um, we keep talking about this man, um, but we never see him. Mm. And people wanted to see him. And I was really resistant at first because to me, um, it wasn't about him. Sure, yeah. But I wrote a draft <laughs> where he was in it and it was to prove my point. It, it became very clear to everybody that we do not need this character. And yeah. I sort of... Uh, sat back um, with a smug grin because <laughs> I knew that all along and I didn't need to go through this phase of the workshop. Um, you know, those weren't the issues that um, needed to be addressed because yeah. the play is about these women. It's about these women and how they interact with each other, how they pass on their legacy to each other. And part of the legacy is domestic abuse. Part of that legacy is how they react to men. Um, but that comes from them, not yeah. from the men. So so that, that's that been an interesting challenge because um, 
you know, it, it, it really changes the focus of a play when, when you do put a man on stage with a bunch of women. Um, for Issei Hisei, that is a more clear example of the way in character where I kept being told um, at various stages of uh, writing this that I needed a white character that, hey, this is a play about really? immigrants in Canada. Why isn't there a white character? Why isn't there a Canadian white character? And I said, well, the Canadian character is the Japanese man. He's yeah. a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, He's the one who's introducing them to what life is like in Canada. Um, and in particular, what life is like for an immigrant in Canada. And a lot of people couldn't see that he was the Canadian character. They wanted a white character to come in a la... A Raisin in the Sun yeah. um, or other plays like that where, you know, a white character sort of steps in near the end and, oh, couldn't there be someone from the woman's work who's white or a bully with the young girl? But that's not, again, that's not what the play is about. The play was mm-hmm. not about um, our family interacting with white people. It was about how the post-World War II trauma led them to think that this man, this Canadian-Japanese man, was their enemy. But it turns out he can be their friend, their ally, and how difficult it is getting over, uh, or working through, rather, war wounds and trauma. Yeah. You're not, not only a playwright, but you're also a television writer and I'm just wondering yes. <laughs> what are some of the differences in the craft between the two mm-hmm. there are actually a lot of differences and a lot of similarities so um, I think the way that I write TV and plays are very different because with playwriting I like starting with a blank page I like the feeling of you know, you don't really know necessarily what you're going to be writing. You just sort of sit down, you start writing and, you know, inspiration comes or doesn't and characters sort of appear. Some of them are, you know, not very well shaped. Some of them appear fully formed and you have no idea how they got there like that, but they're there and you're going to write about them. And then with TV, um, just the nature of the industry, you have to outline Um, It's just sort of a necessity of uh, what the studios and networks need. But it's a lot easier to um, write a piece of TV after you've outlined because it is so structured. TV is so inherently um, built on that uh, three-act structure for half-hour or or five- or six-act structure for one-hour dramas. Um, And part of that is because of commercial breaks. (laughs) They sort of dictate um, that there are act breaks. And so because of that, because it's so structured, you have to outline. Um, And I think something that is, I guess, in some ways similar, but in some ways different, is the collaborative nature of TV, where as a playwright, you are still the sole voice of the play um, but you do go through workshops, you get input from people, mm-hmm. um, but the yeah. playwright still is the the sole voice. Whereas in TV, even though the showrunner is like the, the loudest voice or the driving force, um, you have a lot of people contributing to the show, the ideas, the characters, everything. And so what I love about TV 
Um, and what I love about the writer's room is that one person can, can throw out an idea and the next person builds on it and this person builds on that. And suddenly you have a whole story that a lot of people have contributed to. And in, in that way, it, it really enhances um, the story. And, and if done right, it, it gives um, the story that richness that maybe right. you maybe you can achieve on your own. Maybe you can't. Yeah. I guess with streaming, that's really changed how you approach writing for television. Oh, yeah, because now the goal is to keep people watching. So, you know, I'm sure you've seen you'll be watching an episode and it just seems to end like mid scene. <laughs> and yeah. that that's on purpose um, that uh, they want you to click the next episode. And, and that's a huge um it's a challenge, but also I, I, I understand it. The, there's obviously a, uh, um, a viewership retention rate that they need to, yeah. they need to keep that show and, and that platform going. So why do you write? Like, it's not an easy gig. It's a tough gig. Why do you mm -hmm. do that to yourself? <laughs> I can't help it. I don't really know why I do it. I just, <laughs> it's just something... <laughs> I just always have these ideas and I want to write it down and I get really interested in, in fleshing out these characters and where they'll go and their backstories. And I just find that the whole process fascinating. Um, I keep coming back to this play of mine called Model Minority, where I actually planned out quite a bit of it in advance, or at least I had planned various characters in advance. And I start writing and then this one character just popped in. I didn't plan for him to be there mm. at all, but suddenly he walked into the room, fully formed seemingly, and I knew what his backstory was, and I knew how he fit in, and I knew how he was suddenly so integral to the plot. Like suddenly there were turns that hinged on his character, and I hadn't even planned for him to be there. And so I just find wow. the magic of writing fascinating, that, that that can happen in in your imagination and in your brain. That's so cool. Does it, does writing do anything else for you? Does it, does it feed your soul? Does it, does it fulfill something within you? Oh, wow. I guess it does feed my soul. Yes, it does feed my soul. I think I, I always feel so excited when I come up with a new idea that I, you know, my notes app is a mess because I have these ideas at every time of the day and voice memos because sometimes when I'm in bed I don't want to like <laughs> I don't want to be typing on my phone to wake myself up more so I record a voice memo so I have all of these really sleepy sounding voice memos of me being like okay so this is this idea oh, try to remember <laughs> this in the morning <laughs> um, but yeah, it, 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 I just, yeah, I find it really exciting and, and I can't really imagine myself doing something else. You know, I, I have to say this because we're on Zoom and I just have to describe <laughs> the picture that I see. You're in the middle oh. and behind you over your left shoulder are a whole bunch of colored um, post-it notes stuck to the wall. Are those ideas? What? Yeah, those are um, those are index cards. Um, I, I learned oh. this trick from um, I learned this trick from one of my showrunners um, from Queen Sugar. Um, 
because in writers rooms you know they they write everything on the board they put everything on cards um on various types of cards but she she in particular used uh, index cards um and would just stick it to the wall and you would build a whole story so each of these are scenes each of these cards are scenes oh, okay. and they they're building out um stories so so that's how i that's how I do it now <laughs> after learning that method. Um, I find it really helpful to like to write it out, stick it on the wall and and see the actual shape of it. That's fascinating. Chloe, thank you so much for sharing your insight into writing and a bit of your experience in writing this piece. That was Chloe Hung talking about her play, Three Women of Swatow. You can hear the whole play and her interview by going to Play Me on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's time for our Play Me picks. And this is when we choose a play from our dozens of shows on our podcast. So, Laura, what's on your mind this week? Well, Halloween season may be winding down, but I think a real estate horror is always in season. I'm recommending The Chilling Crawl Space by Karen Hines. This is a perfect cautionary tale for anyone who feels left out of the booming real estate market. Let's just say that you might not feel so bad about not being able to afford a house after listening to Karen's real-life nightmare. (laughs) It is on our podcast feed under Season 3. It is funny and it is scary. And we'll be back next week with the Governor General award-winning play Other Side of the Game by Amanda Paris. In the 1970s, Beverly walks into an office of black activists wanting to join the movement and has to prove she's committed enough to fight. Some 40 years later, in the hip-hop generation, Nicole reunites with her ex-boyfriend on the basketball court, wondering where he's been when a police officer stops them. Three Women of Swatow was written by Chloe Hung. It featured Carolyn Fay. Diana Lung and Shentria Tram. It was directed by Courtney Chang Lancaster. Three Women of Swatow was commissioned and developed by the Tarragon Theatre and artistic director Richard Rose. This episode's sound design, mix, and edit are by Gregory J. Sinclair, with additional sound design by Deanna Choi. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Expect Theatre or Instagram at Play Me Podcast. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley in partnership with CBC Podcasts. A special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is R.F. Norani. Our senior director is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production. For more information about our plays, please visit playmepodcast.com.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.